Welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about queen bees and vampire teens so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read The Awakening by L.J. Smith, Vampire Diaries number one. Joining us to discuss this seminal piece of YA vampire history is Lily, debut YA author of Teen Killers Club. Hello, Lily. Hello. So happy to be here. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for picking this fucking fantastic book. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, and it's funny because someone had just asked if I had ever read Vampire Diaries. And I was like, no, it seems like I should. And then I read this and I was like, yeah, I should have. This book, I couldn't believe it's from 1991. Like, on. On some level, I guess it does feel like it's been around for a while, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was quite so old, um, and yet it, it still feels as as fresh as, as just your first sip of blood. <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah, it, it did me. feel like it held up really well. Um, I had also never read it before, but aside from like the very choice fashion in this book, um, it didn't feel any, it didn't feel like grounded in 1991 at all uh i can see how it was easy to to flex this into a currently running or very recent past running uh cw teen drama yeah i think Mm -hmm. this show stopped in maybe 2017 i think i looked it up um again shockingly i haven't watched the show but now i kind of want to watch the show and i'm kind of mad about it because it seems like there's too much of the show (laughs) (sighs) just a lot of problems that I have. Well, what else are you doing in quarantine? Well, I, I also just got into Star Trek, and now that's <laughs> so much content. <laughs> I don't have time for it. Yeah, well, the, the show ran from 2009 to 2017, so that's a pretty long gap also between first book and TV adaptation. But Yeah, I remember, like... um I think the CW show came out when Twilight, like the movie was like really like gaining steam and there was a lot of buzz around Twilight and Twilight fans were like, oh, look at this like Twilight ripoff. And then book fans came in and they were like, actually, Vampire Diaries is a previous intellectual property from the 90s. So (laughs) Stephanie Meyer ripped off Vampire Diaries and then it became a little bit of like a feud. Um I can't imagine anyone who would like not enjoy both <laughs> books. So, um, but like, so that was very much in my mind when I was reading it was like, Oh, is it possible Stephanie Meyer read this? But I don't think so. I think it's just like vampire in high school is such a genre in and of itself. Like Buffy, the vampire slayer um, that I, I can buy parallel thought uh, between these two books, but just the way the approaches of, a vampire in high school, uh, just the way they kind of like are completely diametrically opposed was kind of interesting. Yeah, it's almost it, like if Stephanie Meyer did read Vampire Diaries, she read it and then was like, now to do the opposite. Yeah. Because, <laughs> and and we've talked so much at Twilight, like I don't want to fully relitigate Twilight, but a lot of Twilight <laughs> is like, Bella's just the most average, boring girl, except she's beautiful and she doesn't know it. And Elena is like, I'm the most beautiful girl, fully aware of it. You should be aware of it. Um, it's important to me that I'm the most beautiful girl. I don't care for the second most beautiful girl trying to, like, step on my toes here. Like, and I, she's so open about it and so 
bitchy and I love it. And yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I haven't read. We were talking a little bit offline before we started about how um, I was very into Buffy when I was a teen, but I um, was not really into like I wasn't there for the vampires and I never mm-hmm. specifically got into any other vampire adjacent properties. Mm-hmm. And in speaking with my roommate about it, who has read a lot of um, YA vampire books, um, both in our teen years and uh, in our adulthood, uh, I had said to her, like, I, is this like, are these like, they're, I keep seeing all of these like weird parallels to Twilight. And she's like, yeah, that's just, they're all like that. All of them are <laughs> like that. Like all of them, the vampire boy is just like stony and cold and distant and it breaks the girl's heart. And she's very upset and confused by it. And she just like ticked down all of the weird similarities between the two of them it was like, you pick up any vampire book. And any any brooding male vampire goes to high school book, and this is exactly what happens in all of them. So it's almost like the fantasy is the guy has a good reason to be emotionally withholding, <laughs> whereas in reality, they're just emotionally withholding for real. I mean, like, I don't want to get too far into the weeds of Twilight, because as you say, you guys have covered it so comprehensively. But I do want to say, I think I like this book more because I kept contrasting it to Twilight, because it did seem to be this almost like call and response thing of like, like what you're saying with Elena, where Elena is like a loud and proud HBIC, mm-hmm. and then Stefan is ignoring her. <laughs> like, <laughs> he wants nothing to do with her. He's like, can I get away from me? And uh, she really pursues him in this completely like just balls out aggressive way that like Bella Swan would never. And it was kind of refreshing after. Um, spending so much mental headspace in Bella Swan refusing to like protect her neck in any way, shape, or form around Edward to just have Elena like be so like balls out, um, protect her neck in the figurative sense. <laughs> yeah, she pretty aggressively does not want her neck protected. <laughs> you know, and that is sort of an evolution. God, now I'm going to talk about Twilight. We'll move on in one second. One. Um, <laughs> That is, like, sort of Bella's evolution, is at first she, like, doesn't really think Edward is into her, but then once they are a committed couple, she is the more, like, actively horny one, Mm -hmm. so that's, like, sort of her journey. (laughs) It's, I I think that is, that is very true, Um, but uh, I, I, a thing that I liked, and um, this is sort of a, a transition, if you would, from Twilight into general, the book. Um, A thing that I I liked about this book, again, in contrast to Twilight, um, is that all of the... I I liked everyone I was supposed to like in this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I liked all the side... Like, the, the world felt very well, like, populated with actual characters, with actual distinct personalities. Like, I believed that we had walked into this, like, high school community in media res and that like things had happened before there was a history to it people knew each other and had relationships all of the characters were very distinct and even though like elena's like real like bitchy and can be real mean girl like i still liked her and i liked all of her friends and i liked the people who i didn't like were the boy who tries to assault her and like the girl who's mean to her like it was very 
L.J. Smith did a very good job of fleshing out these characters to a point where they all did the work that she wanted them to do. Yeah, that's like, unlike Bella Swan, like Elena has this group of friends who she's really engaged with and cares about and confides in, and it really does flesh out the world. And also Stefan wants to be there. Like he, he's not condemned to high school. He like, just wants to hang out with people (laughs) and he defends them from the teacher. And I, I found that really endearing too, is that he was so psyched to be in high school and connecting with these teens who I guess are eons younger than him. But I found it very endearing. I feel like this book would have been like counterculture to nineties grunge. Like then it was like cool to not care. And then, so this comes in, it's like, no, we care. We're popular and we care and we like high school. Like, that must have been so shocking. <laughs> what a twist. Um, so so why don't we get into the book a little bit, um, do a bit of a plot summary for folks who, like we said, like a lot of the beats are going to be the same, um, but the plot itself is different. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Um, so as we've mentioned a couple character names, Elena Gilbert is the protagonist of this book. She is like the most popular girl in school. She has just gotten back from a summer in France and is ready to start her senior year. Uh, She is unfortunately like kind of dreading seeing her friends again, mostly because she needs to break up with her boyfriend, Matt, who she like really likes and cares about, but only as a friend, because even though she's dated a lot of boys, she's never yet found a boy that really like felt like someone she wanted to be with forever. It was mostly just like the fun of the conquest and the things that boys could do for her. But she has yet to truly like be deeply in love with a boy foreshadowing. Mm hmm. Um, So she is on her way to school and this big giant crow seems to be stalking her. Uh, And then we also see uh, Stefan. What was his last name? Salvatore. Salvatore. Stefan Salvatore, who has a mysterious past that has yet to be explicitly. Uh, A a mysterious Italian past. Yes. (laughs) Italian as in Roma. (laughs) clearly if you're reading a book called the vampire diaries and you are aware with how vampires are in pop culture it is immediately clear that he is a vampire (laughs) Uh but for the sake of the book he just has a mysterious italian past and he too is on his way to start his senior year in fell's church uh at the high school and oh god this is by the way one thing that didn't age well is that yeah it's robert ely high school yes Mm. which wasn't great he talks about how he like purposely came to this town because it has a strong sense of history uh around its participation in the civil war which and then they go on to drop that it's robert e lee high school and you're like oh that kind of strong sense of history great Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it doesn't come up past this really at all uh at least in this book Uh, But he also sees the crow stalking him on his way to school and thinks that it's eerie. Uh, And once we get to school, Elena is once again uh, reunited with her two BFFs, Meredith and Bonnie, who are very cool, I thought. Um, Yeah, I thought they were great. I mean, obviously not as cool as Elena, who's the coolest girl ever, but... Yes. 
And Bonnie just got back from spending the summer with her extended family where her grandmother taught her how to read palms because the women in her family are descended from druids and know how to be spooky psychics, but only every other generation. So her grandmother was instructing her on how to use her gifts. Mm -hmm. By the way, I love Bonnie. I... I hope Bonnie has her own spinoff. Like, I just, I loved her. Yes. Uh, Bonnie, in fact, reads Elena's palm and tells her that she is destined to fall in love with a short, dark, handsome stranger. Mm-hmm. And and he's short, but he used to be tall. And they're all like, what, <laughs> what could that possibly mean? Yeah. I have to say, like, when the penny dropped for me on what this meant, that, like, he was tall in his time, but now he's relatively short. Like, it completely threw me because that actually makes a lot of logical sense that if you're an ancient vampire you're probably like 411 49 <laughs> like i don't know if you've like i i grew up on the east coast and i remember going to the cloisters museum in new york where they have like a whole castle they kind of brought over stone by stone and they have these tiny little chairs and tiny little beds where medieval people used to sleep um and it was always like it would always throw me being like oh they're like my height and i'm a kid so for the rest of the book i was imagining stefan as sort of like a child bodybuilder (laughs) just like extremely petite and handsome (laughs) and i was like that's that's the only thing that makes sense precious my bodybuilding son Uh, yeah, so, so Stefan shows up and he is where he is driving a fancy car. I can't remember what kind, but it's, it's fancy. a, it's a Porsche, Porsche 911, Porsche 911. I'm not even supposed to say it when it's a car, <laughs> but it's that one. Uh, it's the emergency wearing... Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he is wearing a uh, design, all designer clothes, a designer leather jacket. I think it's specifically Gucci. Mm-hmm. And the second that, and he's short. Uh-huh. <laughs> the second that Elena sees him, she is like, huh, okay, that that boy is mine now. Uh, but he he's kind of like ignoring her. He's kind of ignoring everyone. He's also wearing sunglasses. Yeah, uh, which everyone thinks is like cool, and you know, like he's a bad boy. <laughs> yeah, and he, he has to go to the office and explain that he has a medical condition where he has to wear sunglasses. I yes. mean, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have terminal coolness, and I must keep these sunglasses on. <laughs> oh my gosh, one time in the before times, I was uh, as I was like getting out of my car to go to work, my glasses just broke in half, like at the nose. <laughs> And, like, nothing happened. I just, like, they just broke in half. And then I had to wear prescription sunglasses all day. And I was really embarrassed about it. And I and I mentioned, oh, I try, like, I tried to tape them. And it just didn't work. Like, I'm sorry, Harry Potter. It did not work. So I had to wear the prescription sunglasses. And I had this meeting with my boss. And I was like, sorry, my glasses is broken. I have to wear these sunglasses. And she was like, oh, I just thought you were very cool. And it didn't <laughs> seem like she was making fun of me. And I was like, I don't know how to un- interpret any of this. Um, but maybe she's just a big Vampire Diaries fan and she is ready to accept this about me (laughs) maybe Um, 
So the school day goes on. Elena breaks up with her boyfriend, Matt, and tries to explain that, like, she really wants them to be friends because that's how he she thinks of him. And Matt seems like very sweet and also like he was waiting for this to happen and that he's real bummed about it and asks if there's someone else. And she's like, no. And he goes, well, what about that hot new boy that you can't stop staring at? And she's like... (laughs) Well, like, not really. Like, I've not even talked to him. But like, yeah, he is hot, huh? And they go to, is it history? Yes, it's history, obviously, because they're talking about the Renaissance. Yeah. Uh, They go to history class, and the world's worst history teacher is spending literally the first day back from vacation (laughs) berating the students because they don't know all the details of random points in history. Yes, like, he's not even focused in one era. He's all over the place. And he's like, you know, you guys think you're so cool because you're seniors and you're about to graduate, but some of you should go back to kindergarten. And then he's like, what do you think high schoolers in the Renaissance would do? And, uh, go on. Well, I was, is it Bonnie or is it just some girl? Somebody he, he tears into Bonnie for no reason. Yeah, but but someone is like, oh, I don't know, were they playing football? And Mr. Tanner's like, no football, are you kidding? And then Stefan stands up and is very confident, like, actually, like, in the Renaissance, people valued a healthy body and healthy mind, and students would play sports, including football. And I fact-checked this, because I was like, would they? But, like, which the <laughs> teacher accepts it, and I think partly because he just delivers it so confidently, and he's so stylish, he's like, it seems right. And I guess during the Renaissance, they played a sport called calcio storico i don't speak italian that's probably not how you say it but they played a sport called something like that that was football adjacent and is like a predecessor to football but also soccer and rugby and like basically all the ball-based sports are are mostly related to (laughs) calcio storico which i feel like stefan should have like really fully gone into that because i would have had would have learned something instead of googling it and then learning something <laughs> well you learned it regardless didn't you yeah although it would have been much harder to google it in 1991 yeah exactly like maybe there was like 12 paragraphs in like the first draft and lj smith's editor was like mm, i love this research lj but let's just let's move on let's put a pin on it and move on yeah yeah who do you think you are the woman who wrote outlander whose name i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> diana gabaldon yeah, Diana yes. Gabaldon cut no research, and LJ Smith cut all of it. But, like, you could have done a footnote. I would have read it. Anyway, that's what happens in history class. She showed her work. Does, doesn't he also take off his glasses? Does he take off his sunglasses in history class, or his eyes too full of secrets? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he does, and he, like, stares at the Mr. Tanner, and Mr. Tanner is, like, mesmerized. <laughs> His soul leaves his body. Yes. Um, so he does that and like Mr. Tanner like puts up and shuts up and uh, <laughs> yeah. So like Elena is just even more dazzled by him and she has been all day. She's been like, okay, like this is how I'm going to introduce myself to him and it's going to be great and it's going to go perfectly. And Matt had previously approached him and been like, hey, like you should try out for football. And he's like, ah, no, like I don't think I should. And then when Elena gets up and tries to introduce herself to him, he's like, nope, got to go do football. Bye. Because Elena reminds him so starkly of someone from his past who we discover in a flashback. 
Well, it's a woman named Catherine. And not only reminds him of, at this point, he says that she is Elena, or Elena is her reincarnated, which is, uh, spoiler, like, dropped and maybe isn't, but maybe is the case revealed in a future book, and I am very curious about that. But anyway. Well, I don't, and I don't know if you're interested in hearing how the series has interpreted it. Yes. The TV series. But I know in the TV series, um, it, Catherine turns out to be like still in existence. <gasps> and she kind of comes back. And then there's like a double doppelganger love triangle. Like a love hexagon thing going on. Oh, my God. I am going to watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> Winter is coming. I will. Oh. This sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we find out about uh, Stefan's tragic past with this beautiful woman named Catherine who looks just like Elena. And Elena is... as he gets nervous, he's like, she's taller than Catherine, though. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, with the march of time and good Mm -hmm. nutrition. Yep. Uh, So Elena's, like, real upset by this and, like, goes off to lick her wounds and goes to her parents' grave. Uh, we had previously learned that her parents had died tragically uh, in a car accident, and that's why she and her little sister are being raised by their aunt. So as she's alone thinking about her parents and being rejected and her life and her aunt, her friends Meredith and Bonnie show up um, because Bonnie had a psychic vision she would be there, although she doesn't remember it. Um, Meredith's like, oh, no, like, we were going to look at the coffee shop. And then you were like, no, she's at the graveyard by her parents' grave. And Bonnie's like, I don't, that doesn't sound familiar, <laughs> but okay. Um, so they're, they're chill for a little while and, um, like, tell Elena how sad they are that, like, Stefan was a dick to her. And she's like, no, like, this is just, like, strengthened my resolve. I'm gonna fuck this dude. Like, I am, <laughs> he is mine. And they swear I, a blood oath that Elena will fuck Stefan and that her friends will help. And it's like such, such true ride or die. It is a literal blood oath. Like literally she pulls a pin off of her dress or shirt and pricks all of their thumbs and makes them do a blood oath that they will, they will get Elaine and Stefan together or else. Did you guys ever do? Did you guys ever do blood oaths with friends when you were kids? I there were points when with some of my best friends were like I like did want to like do like a blood sisters kind of thing, but hurting yourself hurts, so we never actually got that far. Mm-hmm. I remember always being terrified someone would ask me to do a blood oath and make like a thing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, just being like. Because it was so referenced in pop culture, I'm like, I just thought every social encounter was a countdown to one of my friends taking out a knife <laughs> and being like, let's make it real, guys. <laughs> Put out your palms. Um, well, yeah, I, I never did one either. But like, same, like I would see it in pop culture. But around the same times I was being exposed to like blood oath driven pop culture, but also like literally in McDaniel's books where I was like, oh, but if you do a blood oath, then you could get AIDS. And yeah, so it was exactly. like the angel and the devil over my shoulder of like, <laughs> like a childhood blood oaths. And anyway, I never did one. No, I feel yeah. like that's very of a time where blood oaths were all over like TV and film. And at the same time, there was all of this like early like HIV fear. So it was a perfect storm in me where I was just wearing elbow length gloves to all of my middle school parties. <laughs> Just in case. 
Like, I definitely, I definitely remember with at least one of my friends, like, us, like, trying to cut our palms on a quote-unquote sharp rock. Uh. It, but, like, it, it didn't, because, like, we, we were too scared to, like, push hard enough to even, even if, like, a dumb rock we pulled up from our garden would have been enough to you know pierce the skin anyway but like also we didn't really want to do the part where it hurt we just like the idea of being bound in friendship by blood <laughs> <laughs> well these girls follow through because these girls are badass it's true and not long after they do they feel a presence in the graveyard and bonnie who is once again it seems like kind of taken over by the same sort of thing that told uh, told her that Elena was in the graveyard is like, we have to run now and we have to cross the bridge. So they like run through the old, cause there's like the new graveyard and then there's like the old timey graveyard where all like the old timey settlers of the town were buried. Mm-hmm. So they run through the old graveyard and they feel like something's chasing them and they get across the bridge and then they feel okay. And they, like look around and there's nothing there but it it was scary yeah bad vibes vibe check failed (laughs) so they they decide like they have they have decided now that they um are going to start this plan of how elena is going to get stefan and it starts with them going to school and elena like being super chill and being like oh like yeah i actually have a boyfriend from france from when i where i was there his name is jean claude here's a picture of him that i just happen to have and we're gonna get married <laughs> after i graduate <laughs> but like he's what do they say 25 21 i think 21 yeah, he he's older, of course. So like my my aunt doesn't approve of it, so it's a secret. And also I heard somewhere that Stefan is a narc. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is a rumor that Meredith starts literally Stefan is a narc. <laughs> yes, and this isn't us like being funny and like rephrasing it. It's literally <laughs> Stefan is a narc as like quote from the book. And they, and they're like, yeah, like he seems so stylish and so aloof. And that's because he's a narc. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, good job. <laughs> he, he also lives in a boarding house. He's like yes. a teenager living in a boarding house at the edge of town. Yes. I, that does kind of read as narc. But just the idea of starting that rumor so he doesn't get invited to parties yes. is so vicious. <laughs> and uh, well played. Yeah, well don't played, cr- girls. Do not cross Elena and her cousin. <laughs> um. So the next step of the plan is that homecoming is coming up. So Elena, Elena corners Matt and is basically like, hey, I don't actually have a boyfriend. Like, this is like the gardener from the house that we stayed at in France. Like, I I didn't mean to hurt you by spreading that rumor. Like, it's mostly just to get back at Stefan because he was a dick to me. Um, but like, there wasn't anyone else over the summer. Like, I didn't cheat on you. And Matt's like, fucking fine. Okay. Um, and he, he is a thing that I like about him is that he is very self-aware that he's like whipped for her and he mm-hmm. doesn't like that about himself, but he also is like kind of resigned to it because he does want to remain her friend. Yeah. Um, which I thought was cool. It's a, it's a really fine balance where you are like, Elena is kind of shitty about this, but then like, eh, you know, it's fine. They're doing fine. Yeah. 
Um, there, it's very, it's very high school. It's very, very accurately high school, I would say. Um, but she asks Matt to tell Stefan to come to homecoming because he wasn't going to. But like, he and Matt are like good friends because Stefan did try out for the football team and he is on the football team now. He made himself hold back his vampire powers so that <laughs> he wouldn't like overpower the teens. But also, he's just naturally very athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Elena's like, okay, I'll make sure that he comes to homecoming. And, uh, or Matt's like, I'll, I'll make sure he comes to homecoming. And, you know, they all get like super dressed up for homecoming and head to the dance where Elena is, of course, crowned homecoming queen. Of course. Mm-hmm. So she thinks because of this, like, Stefan won't be able to refuse her a dance. But when she asks him to dance, he, like, blows her off. And then Caroline, who is a character we haven't mentioned yet, used to be very good friends with Elena and Bonnie and Meredith. But now she has decided she is not cool being the number two cool girl in school. She wants to be the number one cool girl. So she is uh, blowing off Elena and their friends group and starting out on her own. I guess. Yeah. As much as you can. Yeah. She, she's no longer cool with being number two and she wants to be the queen bee and she is doing an overthrow. Yeah. And she is there with Stefan. He is her date. And Elena is so upset by this that she, uh, like tries to act like she's not upset at all and flirts with like literally every guy and dances with every guy and ends up like kind of, going along with this kid Tyler who had been very rude to Stefan at one point before Matt uh, interceded and was like, no, he's cool. You're a dick. Because, and because he was rude to him because Stefan said scusi in Italian. (laughs) And they were like, scusi, jacuzzi. This book gets it. This book just fucking gets it. (laughs) (laughs) So... She goes out with, like, Tyler and his friends, and they're drinking and shit, and they want to go to the graveyard, where recently they discovered the afternoon that the girls were there, where they felt something bad. A homeless man has been murdered there, and they think it was an animal attack, or something, like, ripped out his throat. And Stefan remembers drinking from the homeless man? Yeah, just like a sip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, (laughs) just like very little. And he thought like left him alive. But now he's like, oh, no, I must have been overtaken and killed him and then totally forgotten about it. Mm -hmm. Because that's my curse of being a teen vampire. Yeah, and he has some sort of like vague thoughts about like the capital P powers and... Yeah, like, he is sort of vague blogging to his own mind about his vampire lore. Yes. So... I I have to say that, like, all of Chapter 6, like, the lead-up to the dance, like, Elena looking at herself in the mirror and, like, being like, yes, this is your moment, like, you're perfect girl, like, go get it. And then going to the dance and, like, the gravity of the dance and going up to Stefan. And there's this really kind of flowery section where it's like they're both looking at each other's eyes and Elena's like I am beautiful because look at how he looks at me that's how I know how beautiful I am and then like Caroline comes up and just is like and he- here I am I'm his date like I it was like a gut punch I thought it was so effectively done and like um I don't know it got to me I was like this is uh I thought it was the best part of the book <laughs> also because 
seeing a strong yeah. character brought so low at when she thinks she's coming in for a big victory. Uh, I thought it was a really great turn. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. And I liked how how she was upset, not just because of this betrayal she felt from Caroline, not just because she was rejected by Stefan, but because she had felt so beautiful and so invulnerable in that Mm -hmm. moment and that he tore that out from underneath her and that she should be having the best night of her life because she feels so beautiful and so powerful and instead, like, she's not and it makes her angry. And I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. I loved her reaction. How her reaction wasn't like, go cry in the bathroom. Like, she gets so bright and charming and flirty and, like, she's just furious. Yes. <laughs> like, she's so angry and charismatic and just, like, electrifying and just making a whole new set of friends. She, like, tells, like, Bonnie and Meredith to, like, get Ben, goes out and makes a whole new group of friends. And it's just, like, what a what a figure. Yeah, is is great. I, I like Elena a lot. Um, but so she she goes off with these new friends, Tyler and um, a girl named Vicky and a boy whose name I can't remember. His name is Vicky's Dick. Date. His name is Dick. <laughs> okay. And that's appropriate. It is true. <laughs> um, so they go to the cemetery, which like she has like bad feelings about, but they're like, no, no, we have to. And she's like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing. And then they, like, start desecrating graves for fun. Mm -hmm. Which, as we recall from, like, two chapters ago, Elena's parents are in this graveyard. So she has especially bad feelings about this. Yes. And the uh, specific tomb that they do desecrate is one that she even has, like, an emotional tie to. Because she really connects it with her parents' grave. Yeah, because it's, it's like, a statue of this couple, like, the founder's couple. And she thinks, like, you know, they're a couple, like, how her parents were a couple. Yeah, and she always imagined her parents in their grave, like, the same way, looking the same way that, that this tomb looks. Um, so they're trying to, like, they're, like, putting lipstick on the statues and, like, trying to open the tombs. And she thinks she sees one open and freaks out. And um, the rest of the kids didn't see it and are, like, fucking whatever. And she's like, no, like, I want to... This is like, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go. And Tyler goes with her, like goes after her and is like, okay, yeah, I'll take you home in a minute. And then like starts forcibly making out with her and really like this is an attempted sexual assault. And uh, Stefan shows up before anything more than like her dress being torn can happen. Uh, And you know, beats the shit out of Tyler, like, like just wipes the floor with him uh, in a rage until Elena pulls him off and is like, okay, like this is, we have to stop. You have to stop beating this man now. Uh, So Stefan takes Elena back to his room to clean up because that's where his car is and gives her like a cloak and thinks about how, you know, beautiful she is and how much she reminds him of Catherine and how his brother also who had been away at university when he first fell in love with Catherine had come home. And now, and in the past, like when his brother showed up, suddenly his brother was also in love with Catherine and Catherine was also spending time with his brother. And he didn't like that because he and Catherine, Catherine had already told him her vampire secret and they were going to be together. 
and his brother, who's a dick, was ruining everything. A handsome dick. Like she, she doesn't lose a chance to tell us that like Damon is like such an asshole, but he's so like gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think at some point in that Renaissance flashback, she casually reveals that Stefan's wearing a cap, which I have to imagine is like a little velvet, like Renaissance man cap with like the gold braiding. Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Once again, like I'm just innocently reading this book, and now I'm imagining a child bodybuilder wearing like, <laughs> a tiny little velvet cap with like a little gold tassel off the side, and it just it threw me. It threw me through a loop. Dapper. <laughs> uh, so he gives her a cloak. He gives Elena back in the present. Uh, Stefan gives Elena a cloak and like has her clean up in the bathroom and she like uses her bobby pins to pin her dress back together and then he drives her home to her aunt's house and when she gets there she sees that Meredith and Bonnie are there and also I think Matt and her like the cops are there and her aunt and her aunt's fiance like every like the whole town is there and they've been looking for her and worried about her And they're like, where have you been? And she's like, oh, she thinks that they're all there because Tyler went to the police about being beat up by Stefan. And she's like, well, I was with Stefan. And they're like, she very quickly realizes that they have no idea about what happened in the graveyard. And she explains like, oh, well, Tyler like tried to assault me. And then Stefan came and saved me. And like my dress got all torn up. So he took me home to get like put back together because I was a mess and they're like oh no we're here because Vicky one of the girls you were hanging out with in the graveyard was attacked in the graveyard and we thought maybe it had attacked you as well and they think it was a wild animal Mm -hmm. but yeah because of the claws (laughs) yeah they find her like wandering bloody on the side of the road so then um, we are getting some more flashbacks and of um, so in the in the flashbacks that Stefan is having, like he and his brother Damon have both like expressed their love to Catherine, who's like pale and fragile and like a beautiful, you know, Renaissance damsel who um, has to stay in her rooms during the day and only comes out at the evenings. And they they both love her, and she has to decide, so they give her an ultimatum. Like, you can't, you know, you can only have one husband, and is it going to be me or is it going to be Damon? She's like, I will decide in a week. Um, and that, I think, is where we cut off with the flashback at that point. So then, back in present day, 1991... Um, Elena and her friends go to visit Vicky as she convalesces and they just kind of want to ask what happened and Vicky completely flips out and calls Elena evil and Vicky's mom is like you girls have to go I don't know what you're doing to my poor traumatized daughter but like get out um, and yeah Elena goes then goes to visit Stefan to be like that was weird and also to make out and she finds earlier she'd seen this like I forget what she called it. Like a, you know, his special treasure box. And he didn't want her to open it. um, Probably because it had vampire secrets in it. But actually she opens it. (laughs) And it has the hair ribbon in it that she lost on the first day. And she's like, oh, hell yeah. Of the, like the first day of school, she lost her hair ribbon, whatever. Um, But he kept it as a, as a treasure of his affection. And she's like, oh, hell yeah. He is into me because I'm the best. Um, And it's, I don't know. It's cute. I like this book. It's cute. 
Yeah, and they, they kind of, like, officially get together. They kind of officially got together the night of homecoming. He had explained some stuff to her, I think, that he was, like, avoiding her because he was really into her and that he only went to the dance with Caroline because she, like, insisted and he didn't, like, necessarily realize that they were on a date and, <laughs> like, all of this this stuff. So they're, like, officially a... Um, a couple now yeah. and they have their Elena- they have their defining their relationship talk yes and all Elena wants to do is like make out with him but unfortunately she has also promised to help decorate for a haunted house fundraiser that the school has uh, she and Bonnie and Meredith are supposed to put it together and I guess normally it is somewhere else in town but because of all the murders and the attacks they're gonna have it in the high school gym because that feels safer and it kind of means they have to change all of their plans and everything uh which is a lot of work but also you know she should probably do this and be a good friend uh Uh um not to not to backtrack too much but do you think that vicky flipping out at elena when they go to visit her do you think that's some kind of clue that like katrine katrine katherine i'm sorry um the audible version Use an Italian accented version of her name. Do you think that's some clue that she's like in the mix too? I wondered, I wondered if it was because of like the vampire blood in her somehow. Oh, okay. But I, I don't, I didn't think it was particularly clear in this volume. So yeah, it could be that could be, I don't know. We don't really come back to Vicky that much in this book after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so they are setting up the gym for this fundraiser and the janitor locks them in because, you know, all the attacks and they have to stay safe and the power goes out. So Bonnie and Meredith decide to walk around and look for the janitor to see what's going on. And they leave Elena alone in the gym and uh, a mysterious man with an Italian accent sneaks into the gym (laughs) and like wants to kiss her and she's like for a second she forgets that Stefan exists Mm -hmm. and she's like very startled by that but then he goes away and Bonnie's like she's very confused about Stefan in general and how he's like kind of hot and cold and how like if they're gonna be together she wants to throw everything into this But if not, like, she just wants to know, which, like, honestly is, like, how I feel dating as a 35-year-old woman. I feel like that's, like, certainly a tack to take when you're in high school. But... Yeah, but she's not just any high schooler. She's Elena. Okay? (laughs) She's not used to this kind of wishy-washy treatment. (laughs) And apparently she loves it. Apparently that's the reverse psychology you need to play with Elena is just emotionally withholding she's eating it up (laughs) um so bonnie's like oh like i when i was visiting my grandmother and we were doing all the psychic stuff she told me this like ceremony to figure out who you're gonna marry and we could do it like i've never done it for myself but like you know we should we should do it together and then like you'll know once and for all um so when she the the whole ceremony is like you have to like set a table place and then at a certain time midnight midnight, 
you're supposed to pull out a chair and like op- have the door open and welcome someone in. Yeah, and you then, s- like, yeah, you say like I invite you in. And you see the spirit of the person who you're going to marry. So she does that. But instead of a spirit, the weird guy from the gym shows up. He's like, thanks for inviting me in. Mm -hmm. And she's like, this is weird. And I don't like that you're here. Um, And like essentially like yells at him to get out Mm -hmm. that, you know, she's she doesn't want him around and that she he freaks her out. And. When he leaves, they discover Bonnie's dog has tragically been killed. Yeah. Which sucks, but they were careful to set up before that the dog was old and also annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously still devastating, but they had foreshadowed that the dog was very old. Um, And then we cut back to to unlock more of um, Stefan's vampire backstory and in the, this time he's dreaming about it, I guess. Which I guess vampires sleep in this universe. Whatever. Um, but the the next part of the love triangle with Catherine is that Catherine is, of course, a vampire. And she is like, I choose you, Stefan, but you, I'm going to turn you into a vampire. And um, also I have this special ring I wear that lets me go out in the sunlight. And I have this special ring made for you, too, so we can be, like, cool daylight friends. And he's like, cool. <laughs> and then they, she turns him into a vampire and he's like, oh good, like I, I won. Like, she turned me into a vampire, so that means she chose me and not Damon. And then um, and then we cut off the flashback for now and go back to high school where they're setting up the haunted house and because Bonnie is so into um, pagan stuff now, she's like, oh, I think we should have a fake human sacrifice. And the the original teacher they wanted to be the fake human sacrifice is sick, and so Mr. Tanner, that mean history teacher from before, gets swapped in, and so he's going to be the fake human sacrifice. And he's like, such a little bitch about it. He's like, <laughs> which honestly, relatable. Like, if teens were like, uh, we need you to lie down and get covered in fake blood. And he's like, no, on my clothes? No. And I get it. But anyway... Um, Stefan goes and talks to him and convinces him to do it. Wink. Vampire <laughs> wink. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they are all set up for, like, the actual haunted house and everyone's running around and, um, Elena previously had been like, oh, I'm gonna go as, like, a beautiful renaissance girl and I had this beautiful renaissance dress made, uh, out of, you know, I spent my own money and it's like beautiful and bespoke and hopefully <laughs> Stefan will see it and he'll be in love with me and I'll know for sure that like this seals the deal and like we are together forever and he sees her and has like a really weird reaction to her which we know is because she reminds him of Catherine and that Catherine wore beautiful renaissance dresses in the renaissance mm-hmm. um, but, but like to like, her she spent like her parents like trust on this dress and he like scans her up and down and is like it's fine yeah <laughs> um so she's like in a bad mood to begin with and um as the haunted house is starting, Mr. Tanner, they get to the human sacrifice room and like Mr. Tanner's not doing what he's supposed to do. And they realize that it is because he is actually dead. 
So Tyler, the boy who tried to assault Elena, who Stefan beat the shit out of, is like, oh, like, we know who did this. It was Stefan because the attack started, like, right around the time that he moved to town. And, like, he's the only one who could have done this murder. And then he, like, makes a literal mob form chanting, like, he did it. He did it. (laughs) It's fucking wild. Uh, and Elena, since they all know she's dating Stefan, she knows she can't go find him and warn him because they'll follow her. So Matt, she and Matt do some kind of like broccoli test shit and he goes to find Stefan instead and warn him. And Stefan uh, once again thinks that he is perhaps blacking out and doing murders and not remembering it. So he runs home and to the boarding house and is like sad and he thinks about like his sad vampire back no he doesn't think about his sad back <laughs> vampire backstory yet he eats a bird eats a and bird. elena has gone to the boarding house to find him and sees him eating a bird a i guess i guess drinking a bird yeah like a capri sun <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what's what's a what's a bird around here that is really symbolic of innocence and lost innocence and purity and beauty? I know. How about this white morning dove? Yeah, let me just stick a straw in it. (laughs) We're good to go. So she like freaks out, and he's like, "Oh, like you have to get away from me because I'm a monster." And he tells her then all about. Catherine and his relationship with Catherine and Damon coming home and ruining it and how he had found out after Catherine gave him like the ring and told him they were going to be together. He found out the next day when they met at the time that she said she was going to give her decision that she also came to Damon in the night Mm. and gave him some blood and made him a baby vampire and gave him special jewelry (laughs) and like... They're real pissed about it, Stefan especially, and they're basically like, you have to choose one of us. By the way, this to me, this is so galaxy brain of Catherine. I truly (laughs) am obsessed. I truly, Lily, in your book, there is a love triangle. Did it ever occur to you to have the girl in the middle just be like, you know what? Fuck it. Both of you guys. Did that... (laughs) You know, I I am ashamed to say it never occurred to me that she would turn both of her prospects immortal and force them into a netherworld of illicit vampirism. But I love it. It's it's a strong choice. It's iconic. No choice but to stand, Catherine. (laughs) We stand Um, a polyamorous renaissance queen. Always. But she didn't even ask them. She She didn't didn't even ask. She just did it. (laughs) She's like, this is what we're doing now. Also, why were they so cool with her being a vampire? Like, they totally skipped the part where there's any kind of her being like, also, I'm a vampire. They just both kind of know and they they love it like they love that too yeah the whole thing is so crazy yeah because it's sort of like hinted out a little bit early on when stuff like when her dad is like you never come down until dinner time what are you doing all day and you know i don't know stefan makes some reference to like how he he knows what she's doing parentheses vampire stuff yeah so um so catherine a couple days later they're looking for catherine and they go out into the the garden and they discover a, her beautiful dress, her ring, and a pile of ashes. And it becomes clear she has committed vampire suicide. Mm-hmm. 
And then the two of them, Damon and Stefan. And she left a note. She left a note with her, like, pile of ashes that's like, I'm sorry, I just wanted you two to get along. Goodbye. <laughs> so dr- drama. Just stirring just, the pot. Didn't even give them a chance to, like, talk to her about it. She, like... And she, so they start like literally wrestling in her pile of ashes (laughs) for the ring. Um, And they both die and then they come back as vampires and they kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like with his last, like first Damon kills Stefan and then with like his last breath, Stefan like reaches and like weakly stabs Damon, but enough to kill him. It's incredible. It's very Three Stooges. <laughs> yes. And um, Elena, at the end of this flashback, realizes that, like, oh, my God, like, the other weird old-timey-sounding Italian guy, hot teenager who I've been seeing around <laughs> is probably your brother Damon. And also probably the crow is Damon. Mm-hmm. And also Stefan reveals that, like, because he chooses to not kill people and just be kind of chill... He is like broken ties with Damon entirely and doesn't know where he is. But because Damon does kill humans, he also has better vampire powers. So they're in trouble if he's in town. Yes. Capital P powers, which I love. And I don't know why. I just loved it. So then um, here's a here's a, a question. So then Stefan like unlocks all this vampire backstory and Elena's like, I'm into it. And then they make out, and then there's a little scene where he, like, does a little cut in her throat and, like, does a little little sip of blood. Like, did he make her a vampire or not? I'm it's... really confused about what the blood magic laws are in this book, because he also claims that before he killed Damon, if Damon had just continued living, um... Catherine's blood would have left Damon's system and he wouldn't have become a vampire. Uh, so you have to like take the blood and then die? Like actually I bet this I, is I bet this is explained in another book. Am I gonna have yeah. to read it? I don't know. Maybe I'll just go on Wikipedia. <laughs> or watch the CW television show, which as I stated, I definitely am going to do. Uh, Highly recommend. But Highly so re- I yeah. mean, probably just from what I know of like series, probably she's not a vampire immediately. Like I have to imagine there's more of a, like, back and forth about it. Yeah, because the text, too, at this point, like, he's talking about how, like, oh, like, and, you know, I can't turn more people, like, he's very upset about the idea of turning someone else mm-hmm. into a vampire. And she's like, oh, well, like, we don't have to, like, essentially in a very, very paper-thin metaphor for sex, it's yeah. like, well, we don't have to go all the way. Yeah. Like, we can just fool around with a little bit of blood play and <laughs> everything will be fine. And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. So they do. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of snacks on her, I think. Yeah. Because um, um, he, he said earlier, too, that, like, you know, if, if he doesn't kill people, he does still, obviously, with the homeless man, still eat human blood. But maybe the actual taking so much that you kill a person is what counts. Yeah, yeah he, he just he just kind of snacks on people who are powerless to resist him, and like I, I do think that's kind of funny that he like kind of kind of ambiguously just borrow people's blood. Yeah. <laughs> like he won't kill them, but he does not mind knocking a motherfucker out and just taking a sip of their blood now and then. Yeah. It's it's also like he does kind of like the Edward Cullen from the Meadow speech of like, 
you know, as if you could outrun me, as if you could whatever. But he's like throwing trunks around in his room. Yes. Um, yes. To exactly. Display his powers. Um, I'm sorry, I will not mention Twilight again. I just want to say uh, before <laughs> before we leave the topic forever that I recently found out the working title of Twilight was Forks. Mm. Have you guys heard this before? Okay, I actually, I'll yeah, it's... I'll leave it there. <laughs> I like in my notes I refer to this as his skin of a killer scene, which isn't actually as we've established fully. This happened way before Twilight, but nevertheless, it is his skin of a killer scene, and it's kind of hilarious. Um, so Stefan and Damon um, meet and confront each other and have like a fight that ends when Damon knocks Stefan out yeah which we get from we're in like Stefan's point of view and then it just kind of like grays out Um, and then Elena hears that Stefan is missing and realizes like what's happening and so she just like goes outside and like calls out for Damon like hey Damon <laughs> and then that's the end of the book <laughs> that is yeah. indeed where the book ends <laughs> and I had seen you know of course I'd seen this book before and so this is volume one The Awakening and then the bigger paperbacks is packaged together and I always thought this was bananas because like one volume is The Awakening and then The Captive comma part one and then the third book is called The Captive Part 2, and then that would be its own book. And I was always like, that's stupid. Why isn't The Captive 1 and 2 in one book? Like, that seems to make more sense. But then I finally read it. I'm like, well, I get it, because this is a very abrupt ending with nothing left resolved. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very, it, yeah, it's wild. Uh, that is, that is, in fact, like, I, I was very surprised, because especially I listen to audiobooks, on like 1.5 or 1.75. So without the like longer pause between like <laughs> the end of the book and this has been a production of Hachette Audio or whatever, <laughs> it was just like, Damon, <laughs> yeah. this has been a production. Like, what? And that like timpani drum, like they put in the only sound effect they have is like this giant like kind of gong or timpani drum thing that comes in crashing at the end. And it was so jarring. This is the most abrupt ending I've ever experienced in a book, which is saying something. Yeah. And like, I know that's something we've talked about before, especially with books that are like trilogies or series, but this is definitely the most abrupt, least resolved ending ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm was, a- I. I was gonna say I was a little tempted to go and read book two, but I didn't really have enough time to do it before the podcast. And honestly, I probably won't. But I'm a little tempted. <laughs> yeah, it was it was enjoyable. Like I know that like our we're dead inside because of all the books <laughs> that we read. But like I, I I did genuinely find it enjoyable. I think I would have enjoyed it as a teen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it didn't feel dated, despite the fact that it's now like thirty years old. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Lily, you have you watched all of the show or like what's your level of Vampire Diaries engagement? I watched the pilot after reading this book oh. um, before the podcast because I was like, I just got to dip my toe in this because I have a friend who um, he's covered the show for years in recaps. So I had kind of followed the show just by reading his recaps. Oh. But, you know, with recaps, you have a lot of fun like 
laughing at the at the story mm-hmm. points versus really engaging with the characters. So, um, having watched the pilot for the first time, I was really in, interested by some of the uh, the way they kind of adapt to the material. Like um, Stefan, like really uh, follows Elena around. He's very aggressive. Like she can't tra- turn around without him like popping up right behind her, which I thought. Uh, kind of lost something from the original material. Um, But it was, uh, it's, I would definitely watch more of it. Like I can see why it has like the huge following that it does and that people are so gaga for the series. And it's become kind of a franchise of series where there's like the originals and legacies and it's been a huge, um, a huge uh, workhorse for the CW. Yeah. Oh, I realize we didn't really talk very much about her diaries. They are are in it. She is keeping a diary. And some of the stuff is just, like, parts of her diary. And then I... I I assume Damon stole her diary, but we don't really know it. Like, someone took her diary. And I bet in book two you find out it was Damon. Oh, she... I would imagine. There's a part of the book that cracked me up where, like, Meredith and Bonnie are over. And she's telling them, like, how, how, like, Stefan's, like, breaking her heart. And she's like, you know what? Let me read you an excerpt from my diary because this puts it better than I ever could. And it's like, (laughs) you wrote that diary. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? Like, the idea of, like, leafing open your diary to tell your friends more about your feelings is charming. Very charming. Elena would have been a great blogger. (laughs) Uh, like, if this series had come out in, in, like, later in the 90s, early 2000s, it would be the vampire blog, and I would read it. <laughs> totally. Like a Sex in the City framing, where it, like, starts with her, like, tapping on her laptop yes. every episode. Yes. Uh, and now it would have to be the vampire TikToks. Or no, TikToks <laughs> over already. I don't even know what kids are doing now. God. So I guess let's just do dramatic readings and do what these 90s kids are doing, because at least I can keep up with that. (laughs) Sort of. All right. Uh, I'm going to do the first dramatic reading, and it is the moment where uh, Bonnie and Meredith and Elena are reunited, and uh, Bonnie explains that she's now psychic, and then Stefan shows up. Just a minute. That reminds me, Bonnie interjected, snatching one of Elena's hands. Guess what I learned from my cousin this summer? Before anyone could speak, she informed them triumphantly, palm reading. There were groans and some laughter. Laugh while you can, said Bonnie, not at all disturbed. My cousin told me I'm psychic. Now, let me see. She peered into Elena's palm. Hurry up or we're going to be late, said Elena a little impatiently. All right, all right. Now, this is your lifeline, or is it your heart line? In the crowd, someone snickered. Quiet, I'm reaching into the void. I see, I see. All at once, Bonnie's face went blank, as if she were startled. Her brown eyes widened, but she no longer seemed to be staring at Elena's hand. It was as if if she was looking through it, at something frightening. You will meet a tall, dark stranger, Meredith murmured from behind her. There was a flurry of giggles. Dark, yes, and a stranger, but not tall. Bonnie's voice was hushed and far away. Although, she continued after a moment, looking puzzled, he was tall once. Her wide brown eyes lifted to Elena's in bewilderment. 
but that's impossible, isn't it? She dropped Elena's hand, almost flinging it away. I don't want to see any more. Okay, show's over. Let's go, Elena told the others, vaguely irritated. She'd always felt psychic tricks were just that. Tricks. So why was she annoyed? Just because that morning she'd almost freaked out herself. The girls started towards the school building, but the roar of a finely tuned motor stopped them all in their tracks. Well now, Caroline said, staring. Quite a car. Quite a Porsche, Meredith corrected dryly. The sleek black 911 Turbo purred through the parking lot, searching for a space, moving as lazily as a panther stalking prey. When the car came to a stop, the door opened and they glimpsed the driver. Oh my God, Caroline whispered. You can say that again, breathed Bonnie. From where they stood, Elena could see he had a lean, flat-muscled body. Faded jeans he probably had to peel off at night tight t-shirt and a leather jacket of unusual cut. His hair was wavy and dark. He wasn't tall, though. Just average height. Elena let out her breath. Who is that masked man? said Meredith, and the remark was apt. Dark sunglasses completely covered the boy's eyes, shielding his face like a mask. That masked stranger, someone else said, and a babble of voices rose up. Did you see that jacket? That's Italian, as in Roma. How would you know? You've never been further than Rome, New York in your life. Uh Uh-oh, Elena's got that look again. That hunting look. Short, dark, and handsome better be careful. He isn't short. He's perfect. So, yeah, that is is Stefan's uh, entry into (laughs) high school. Into Robert E. Lee High. (laughs) yeah all right um next up we're gonna take a little flashback back to the renaissance and lily will have her stefan moment and kate will be elena it was like a nightmare everything happening so slowly i couldn't move and yet i had to i had to keep walking with each step the fear grew stronger i could smell it A smell like burned fat. I mustn't go there. I don't want to see it. His voice had become high and urgent, his breath coming in gasps. His eyes were wide and dilated like a terrified child's. Elena gripped his vice-like fingers with her other hand, enfolding them completely. Stefan, it's all right. You're not there. You're here with me. I don't want to see it, but I can't help it. There's something white. Something white under the tree. Don't make me look at it. Stefan, Stefan, look at me. He was beyond hearing. His words came in heaving spasms, as if he could not control them, could not get them out fast enough. I can't go any closer, but I do. I see the tree, the wall, and that white behind the tree, white with gold underneath. And then I know, I know, and I'm moving toward it because it's her dress, Catherine's white dress. And I get around the tree, and I see it on the ground, and it's true. It's Catherine's dress! His voice rose and broke in unimaginable horror. But Catherine isn't in it! Elena felt a chill, as if her body had been plunged into ice water. Her skin rose in goose flesh, and she tried to speak to him but couldn't. He was rattling on, as if he could keep the terror away if he kept on talking. 
Catherine isn't there, so maybe it's all a joke, but her dress is on the ground and it's full of ashes. Like the ashes in the hearth. Just like that, only these smell of burned flesh. They stink. The smell is making me sick and faint. Beside the sleeve of the dress is a piece of parchment, and on a rock, on a rock a little way away, is a ring. A ring with a blue stone. Catherine's ring. Catherine's ring. Suddenly, he called out in a terrible voice. Catherine, what have you done? Then he fell to his knees, releasing Elena's fingers at last to bury his face in his hands. Elena held him as he was gripped by racking sobs. She held his shoulders, pulling him to her lap. Catherine took the ring off, she whispered. It was not a question. She exposed herself to the sun. His harsh sobs went on and on, and she held him to the full skirts of the blue gown, stroking his quivering shoulders. She murmured nonsense meant to soothe him, pushing away her own horror. And presently, he quieted and lifted his head. He spoke thickly, but he seemed to have returned to the present, to have come back. The parchment was a note for me and for Damon. It said she had been selfish wanting to have both of us. It said... She couldn't bear to be the cause of strife between us. She hoped that once she was gone, she, we would no longer hate each other. She did it to bring us together. Oh, goodness. God, the drama. <laughs> okay. So intense. And then um, our final dramatic reading is, again, oops, is, again, very dramatic. And it's shortly after this when Stefan has his skin of a killer moment, um, which we described earlier. And now you're just going to get a full dose of it because it's so good. And uh, I will be Stefan and Lily will be Elena. You don't know what you're talking about. If I once let go, what's to keep me from changing you or killing you? The passion is stronger than you can imagine. Don't you understand yet what I am, what I can do? She stood there and looked at him quietly, her chin raised slightly. It seemed to enrage him. Haven't you seen enough yet? Or do I have to show you more? Can't you picture what I might do to you? He strode over to the cold fireplace and snatched out a long piece of wood, thicker than both Elena's wrists together. With one motion, he snapped it in two like a matchstick. Your fragile bones... Across the room was a pillow from the bed. He caught it up and with a slash of his nails left the silk cover and ribbons. Your soft skin. Then he moved toward Elena with preternatural quickness. He was there and had hold of her shoulders before she knew what was happening. He stared into her face a moment and then with a savage hiss that raised the hairs at the nape of her neck, drew his lips back. It was the same snarl she'd seen on the roof, those white teeth bared, the canines grown to unbelievable length and sharpness. They were the fangs of a predator, a hunter. Your white neck, he said in a distorted voice. Elena stood paralyzed another instant, gazing as if compelled into that chilling visage. And then something deep in her unconscious took over. She reached up with the res- within the restraining circle of his arms and caught his face between her two hands. His cheeks were cool against her palms. She held him that way, softly, so softly, as if to reprove his hard grip grip on her bare shoulders. And she saw the confusion slowly come to his face as he realized she was not doing it to fight him or to shove him away. Elena waited until that confusion reached his eyes, shattering his gaze, becoming almost a look of pleading. 
She knew that her own face was fearless, soft yet intense, her lips slightly parted. They were both breathing quickly now, together in rhythm. Elena could feel it when he started to shake, trembling as he had when the memories of Catherine had become too much to bear. Then, very gently and deliberately, she drew that snarling mouth down to her own. All right. And then since we were talking about, I just want to read a little bit more. Uh, this is, I'm going off script now. Surprise. Um, I just want to read a little bit from slightly after this, where they have their question mark blood magic. Mm-hmm. Um, so she felt his lips graze her skin, felt his breath warm and cool at once. Then she felt the sharp sting, but the f- pain faded almost instantly. It was replaced by a feeling of pleasure that made her tremble. A great rushing sweetness filled her, flowing through her to Stefan. It's like, yeah, very sexy. Then he says, do you trust me? And when she simply nodded, he held her eyes and reached for something else beside the bed. It was the dagger. She regarded it without fear and then fixed her eyes again on his face. He never looked away from her as he unsheathed it and made a small cut at the base of his throat. Elena looked at it wide-eyed, at the blood as bright as hollyberries. But when he urged her forward, she did not try to resist him. Afterward, he just held her a long time while the crickets outside made their music. So, like, yes, very sexy, but also literally what happened? (laughs) We just don't know. (sighs) All right. You guys ready to play some Would You Rather? Um, I am indeed... Here's, I guess, the defining question. Would you rather be in a love triangle with Stefan and Damon or in a love triangle with Edward and Jacob? So I think I have to come down. I mean, obviously, putting aside all of the dicks yeah. here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I not mean, even that. All the, the dudes. You could do a gender swap version of, of Edith and Julie and, I don't know, Stephanie and Danica, we'll say. Just just the dynamic more. Yes. All of the, the dudes here, um, I should say, rather. Um, I I feel like I like Stefan much more as a character than I like pretty much any of these guys. I do like Jacob more than I like Damon, but I'm going to go with Stefan and Damon here because I do genuinely kind of like Stefan. It's fair. Fair. It's because you like jocks. <laughs> I guess I do. Antonio is my favorite Animal Crossing villager. <laughs> I think I would definitely go with Edward and Jacob simply because I wouldn't have to drink anyone's blood in that scenario. Mm. And it does, it does freak me out that a big part of the romance between Elena and Stefan seems to be her having to like suck blood out of his neck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm also going to go with Edward and Jacob, partly um, for the sparkles, also. I think it's important. Um, all right, how about, would you rather have a dumb supper or eat at Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle, the mo- movie that serves only steaks and cakes? Uh, you know, I I do I do have to stick with our beloved sponsor, Steaks and Cakes, you know how I feel about, you know, just eating a whole steak and then a whole cake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I think with the dumb supper, like, you do gain psychic wisdom, but I don't think there's any actual food at it, so. That is mm-hmm. also true. Mm-hmm. 
It's got to be Steaks and Cakes. Um, I did watch the Christian Mingle movie <laughs> based on your sponsorship, oh and gosh. I'm s- still baffled about what that restaurant was. There appeared to be <laughs> outdoor tablecloths inside and just cake platters and literal piles of steaks. I don't know if there's any sides. I really want to see that menu. I got to go. I, I think it is literally just only steaks and only cakes. <laughs> I'm abs- I'm so glad that you've also experienced this because it's truly a bewildering piece of staging. Um, <laughs> really? So yeah, mind-boggling. I'll, I'll meet you there. We'll check it out. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, let's move on to readers' advisory, where we'll suggest some books to read instead of or in addition to Vampire Diaries. And I mean, I think we're all saying like, if you're into teen vampires, like, check this out. It's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could mm-hmm. do way worse. Way worse. We have done way worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just say on top of that to give, we'll have more on the website, of course. Um, I will say that my roommate who has read all of the L.J. Smith books uh, says that if you like these to read the Night World series as well. Mm-hmm. We also, this is our second Tango with L.J. Smith. We read The Secret Circle um <laughs> Which is her witch series. Oh, we read the first one of it. And I remember sort of enjoying that, though not as much as this. Yeah, I would agree. I, I enjoyed this much more. Um, I haven't read her Forbidden Game series, but I know that it's uh, legendary amongst like Labyrinth fans because it's essentially a Labyrinth fan fiction. Mm. So if you if you like the taste of Vampire Diaries... Why not check out Forbidden Games, which I plan on doing. And then also, if you're sick of the heteronormative male-female vampire-human pairing, um, I just want to shout out the Carmilla series on YouTube, which updates the traditional vampire story of Carmilla in an all-girls school. And it's very sweet. And I think it's Canadian production, but it's just, it's adorable and has some good chills. And it's a two-girl vampire and her sweet naive roommate and that's amazing oh nice um on that note i think i recommended this earlier but before the book had come out or at least before i started reading it but i have now started reading the anthology vampires never get old edited by zoraida cordova and natalie parker and um again if you are tired of like straight white vampires this is a anthology by diverse authors about diverse vampires diverse in in every sense and so far i haven't finished yet but they've all been very enjoyable stories and it's just just a good vampire anthology that i recommend um also i we talked a little bit before about how the lee's book uh teen killers club is coming out actually when this episode comes i think the book is out um it's out go read teen killers club i was scared to read it because i am a scaredy cat (laughs) Um, and just cause I was like, is this, is about killers? Is it gonna be too scary? And, um, it's, it's some scary, but it's not like too scary in my opinion. And I, um, which I just feel like is important for me to get out there. I know that's not exactly like a rating of the book. Like I, I enjoyed it. It's a good book. It's got a love triangle that I, that spoilers does not end with the galaxy brain of Catherine. <laughs> uh, but you know what? No one else can pull that off but Catherine, I think. Um, and probably some, like, adult romance novels are doing this. But um, anyway, it's it's a fun, medium, spooky kind of thriller, kind of psychological, kind of love triangle situation. Um, you'll probably like it. 
feel I think if you like Vampire Diaries, you would probably like Teen Killers Club somehow. Hey, I'll like. take it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so check, check that out. All right, so let us move on to our candy pairings, where we'll suggest a candy to go along with this book. Uh, for my candy pairing, I chose Dark Chocolate Hershey Kisses, um, which are not necessarily like a candy I'm ever going to pick up off the shelves, but if somebody has put out a bowl of like mixed candy, uh, you know, I'll I'll take it, and uh, it's not bad. Um, well, mine is like the very small, like smaller than fun size, the mini size Milky Way Midnight's, where it's just like a half inch of candy, and it's just like it's not enough. I want more of it, and that's how I feel about this book's very abrupt ending. It was like I'm eating this <laughs> delicious Milky Way Midnight, and then. And then it just ends, and I would like a bigger serving of it. Okay, I'm hoping you guys will remember what this candy is called. <laughs> Maybe not. There used to be this little red candy, and all of the pieces had kind of have it as a sour sweet powder, but there were a couple scattered in that were really, really like hot and intense and unta- um, like disgusting. Um, and they stopped making them, I think, before I was out of high school, and I've never found them since. And because I can't get them anymore, I remember them as being, like, the perfect candy. Um, So, yeah, I feel like this book hits the same kind of vibe where because it's, like, a nostalgic high school romp um, with a couple things where I'm just like, ugh, don't know about that. Um, It's the same kind of vibe. Nostalgia with uncomfortable surprises. That's fair. I'm sorry I don't remember what candy that is, but it sounds like something that would exist. (laughs) i feel like like the 90s and early 2000s were such a high watermark for like weird sour powder candies it was a sour renaissance yeah but listeners if you remember this candy um tweet at us please help me (laughs) all right now it is time for the rock paper snicked where of course kate will say who Dwayne the rock johnson would be if he were in this book and I'll say who Wolverine would be if you were in this book. And uh, Lily will choose which most enhances the book or can choose paper, which to leave it as is. All right. Uh, so if Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, he would be a former spy slash detective slash typical like The Rock movie profession that he has in all his movies, uh, who has moved to Fell's church in order to retire and relax after his very hard, uh, dangerous life. And then, of course, he's shocked and dismayed when random killings start happening in town and decides it's up to him and his, you know, movie profession training to solve the murders and start hunting for the killer. And at one point, he shows up at the graveyard just in time to stop the teens from desecrating the graves and uh, stop Tyler from assaulting Elena. And he sends Elena home with Stefan, who has also shown up sensing that Elena was in trouble. And thus he can confirm that Stefan was not doing the killings, saving him and Elena some angst and stopping the mob at the high school before it starts. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, he would invite Bonnie to come to Xavier's school to train her psychic powers. And at first she would decline because obviously Elena needed her too much. But eventually, maybe over like winter break, she'd be convinced to come visit the school and between her psychic powers and her friendship with Elena, she would be fully prepared for the level of drama at the school. And so I think she would make fast friends because she's so skilled at dealing with, like, love triangles and, you know, not needing to be the queen bee and, like, happy to be second fiddle to, like, the more dramatic teens around. I think that would just make her super popular at Xavier's school. 
Wow, this is really hard. These are both extremely excellent um, alternate universes. And I'm so tempted to go with Bonnie becoming like a X-Man and being in the school. Like, I love that line. But I also really want to see The Rock counsel Stefan and Damon, Mm -hmm. try to bring those brothers together in the way that only The Rock can. So... I think I'm going to go for The Rock coming on in and just bringing his unique brand of warm-hearted wisdom to those troubled boys. Excellent. Yeah, I would love that. And and to be fair, mine is really less about changing this book and more about starting my own Bonnie spin-off, which, I, <laughs> which again, I do really want. So Just do it. Um, you should just do it. So well played. Yeah. Well played. And what do we think the moral of the story is? Uh, my moral of the story is you can either take your diary everywhere with you or write all your deepest secrets in it. You can't do both. Mine is don't peak in high school. <laughs> yes, that's that's kind of the mic drop moral of the story. Um, I would also add that communication is really key if you want to be in a polyamorous relationship, especially if people within your polyamorous relationship are related. Yeah. Talk it so out. true. Yeah, that was kind of a party foul from Catherine. <laughs> um, all right. Now, of course, it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will share his opinions about the book. <coughs> yeah. Duarte, I agree. I'm really relieved that they never explicitly showed any of the vampires eating a cat. Um, I think that's very good form from them. Yeah, I do. I do agree, though, that if there were a cat in it, it would have uh, attacked Damon in crow form and nipped that right in the bud. So true. Bonnie should have had a cat for like her increasing witchy power. Maybe in book two, Bonnie gets a cat. Let us hope and pray that Bonnie gets a cat in book two. Agreed. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you, Duarte. Do any humans have any closing thoughts? Uh, no, just thank you so much for joining us, Lily. This was delightful. This is truly a treat. One of the corn, one of my highlights of my quarantine. So thank Aww. you so much. Aw. Yes. Well, um, if you want to come, um, if you remember that sour and spicy candy, if you want to <laughs> tell us if Bonnie ever gets a cat, if you have any other Vampire Diaries things to talk about, uh, you can find us as a podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestseller Spell Normally. Um, or we're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S, which is... Um, that's the cliffhanger of our Twitter name. You have to get to our Twitter book too to get the S. Um, we also have a Goodreads group, which is best accessed by going to our website, worstbestsellers.com, and clicking on Goodreads. Uh, you can find us all the podcast places, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts. You know where the podcasts are from. You can go there and find okay. us. Uh, if you do if you could take a moment to rate and review uh if you rate and review it moves us up a bit on the charts and makes it easier for new folks to find us uh if you don't rate and review then we're gonna make bonnie like put a spell on you and it's gonna be bad uh you can also join our patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers patreon is a service where you provide a small monthly recurring donation it goes to us to do things like pay our editor and pay for our web hosting uh, and in response, uh, you get some perks like a newsletter and stickers and all sorts of other things. Uh, if you go to our website at worstbestsellers.com, in addition to all the things we're not mentioned, you can also click on merch to buy uh, 
things from our podcast to wear on your body or click on the link to join our discord server where we talk about good books and bad books and animal crossing and many other things but mostly those things yes um and finally if you just want to follow me i'm at renata snacks uh, if you want to follow me i'm at 14 across and where can people find you, Lily? Thank you for the lead. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's okay. You can find me on Twitter at, at Lily Roro. Um, and Teen Killers Club is on Goodreads. So if you read it and you like it, please hop on and tell other folks about that. Rate, rate and review it. Rate and review. Please. Awesome. Yes. Yes. Well, thanks again for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And this was an I- absolute thrill. Such a thrill. So glad you could join us. And just a really good pick. I'm very glad we read this. <laughs> Treat. Um, perhaps less delightful. I don't know. Next up, we're reading Go Ask Alice by Anonymous, um, which was chosen for us by our Patreon patrons, which is another perk you get. Is you can make us read Go Ask Alice, I guess. <laughs> so uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.